Welcome to the beautiful city of Campbell River in our Modern Entrepreneur podcast series at the 50th Parallel. That's me. You've got questions, we've got experts. Let's find answers. Welcome to the Modern Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Rose Klukas. I'm the Manager of Economic Development for the City of Campbell River. And my guest today is Leah Tremaine. Leah is founder of Tremaine Media. And I was actually thinking back to my move here to Campbell River mid-2016. And I think you were one of the first people and definitely one of the first businesses I met here at the city in economic development. And I look back fondly at those days because you certainly helped create some of the foundational materials for marketing and information for economic development here at the city. So welcome today. Thank you. And that's absolutely true. I actually reached out to you as soon as I saw the announcement. You hadn't even moved here yet. And I'm well, I'm like, welcome. I was just such an avid networker then that it was most important that I met you and yeah, we arranged to have coffee as soon as you moved here. Well, and then I was thinking about how then eventually you convinced me to join you at kickboxing classes at the gym. <laughs> I still, well, I'm surprised at how much I actually enjoyed those days. <laughs> yeah, we have some great pictures of us with boxing gloves on, looking tough, ready to punch things. Right? Not people, though. <laughs> things. Maybe that'll be one of your tips for entrepreneurs down in this podcast today. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship today. We're going to talk about Campbell River, but tell us a little bit about Tremaine Media. What does Tremaine Media do? Yeah, Tremaine Media has had many incarnations over the years. So we started 20-something years ago. We incorporated in 2006. We were an educational media company that sold educational DVDs to the Ministry of Education and all across Canada and into the United States. We sold over 68,000 educational DVDs. And then a little startup came into uh, the world. And I think that was around 2008. And that little startup was YouTube. And YouTube gutted that business. Oh, so I had to pivot quite quickly. Well, it wasn't that quickly. There was there was a tapering off, but I had to pivot and we started doing media for other people rather than doing media for ourselves. And that's where we're at today is we're creating media. And coincidentally or not, it's a lot of educational materials for large businesses, global industries need to educate the communities that they're in about what it is that they're doing. But we're also doing media and marketing for mid-sized businesses as well. So it's media and marketing and we do anything like we used to be primarily media production again that was another small pivot we were media production where back in the day when people still knew what to do with the media that we created so they said we'll take this video we'll take this print material we'll run with it ourselves but there came a time when things moved to digital we started running workshops about how to deal with this new digital marketing landscape but uh, a lot of people just came to us and said, will you please just do it? So that's how we became, rather than just a media production company, we moved into media and marketing. And that's where you find us today. Hmm. So 20 years, that's a long time. How did you find yourself doing business in Campbell River? Did you Were you from Campbell River? I was originally from Ontario, but I consider myself an honorary islander, being here over 30 years, I think, 30 years now. 
And at first, doing business in Campbell River was difficult. We were renowned in the province when we were creating educational DVDs, but it was difficult to get recognition because we were a distributed company 20 years ago. Wow. And so that didn't hold relevance yet to the community. So I remember talking to the chamber, whoever was in charge of the chamber at the time, there was an awards, uh, chamber awards, and you had to vote in the physical location of where the business was. And I said, you know, I'm, we're a great business. We're doing great work. I won the BC Chamber Young Entrepreneur Award, but I can't win my local award because we're a distributed company. And they're like, what's a distributed company? And so there's a lot of education around that, but but there was no change at that time. So it was difficult. And then when we started doing media and marketing for other people, again, uh, we had a year or two where we were doing more work in Courtney, Nanaimo, and Victoria, but nothing in Campbell River. And I and I wasn't sure if it was a perception thing. It's in our own backyard, so maybe it's not good enough. But now, 20 years later, we do a ton of work here in Campbell River. And most businesses know who we are, especially bigger businesses. We've been in the community so long, and we've been networking relentlessly for so long and being involved in the community as well. So all those things have helped build that recognition, but also there's a sense of trust, I think, that the community has with us now. Well, I am interested in your uh, distributed model, work model. And for people who may not know what that is, can you explain it a little bit? And how does that look for Treme Media? Yeah, I worked um, in an office for six years. My whole career, I've only worked in an office for six years, and it slowly killed me. It just wasn't for me. And it was because I wasn't attached to client work. I was doing media production for a not-for-profit. And it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand why I had to be in an office when I needed to do creative work without interruption when I was at my most productive. So I took everything I didn't like about working in an office and flipped that around when I created my own company. So when I started my company, I had one child who was a baby and I, I have two children now who are almost grown. And I didn't want to go away somewhere. I couldn't afford the overhead of an office. So I wanted to work from home. And I wanted my contractors and employees to be able to have the same benefits that I had working at home, working from my own schedule, because then we were primarily media focused, not client focused. So everybody's on their own schedule. We have you know, some general deadlines, but we're not beholden to a client. So why not work when we're the most productive? For some people, that's in the middle of the night. For some people, that's the early morning. For other people, it's before dinner. Like it's different for everybody. So I wanted to honor that for everybody. And I also wanted to honor parents to be able to pick up their kid from school if they needed, to be able to go do all those things that they needed to do. So I created a company that had this model, but I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know what to call it. So I didn't I didn't have a descriptor. And one day I was walking to the gym where you and I trained and I was listening to a podcast and it was the founder of Automatic, which is Automatic is the, the creator of WordPress. So they've created WordPress and they're the company behind WordPress. And he was talking about his company and he called it a distributed company. And I'm like, finally, all right, someone's doing it. It's official. 
and it's got a name. So then I could start calling it a distributed company. So just because I had a name didn't mean people accepted it. People wanted the signage. People wanted the physical location. I mean, all of this now sounds a little bit primitive because of COVID. Everybody understands what a distributed company is. But pre-COVID, I was still kind of fighting that tide. Um, I spent a lot on our website to make sure it looked professional. So if somebody from the Ministry of Education in Victoria was looking at it, they're like, oh, I trust these people because they're not going to see my storefront anyway. Yeah, so it was a bit of a it was a bit of an uphill battle. I I did a workshop on distributed companies, a two hour workshop, trying to convince uh, different HR people that distributed is a model for the future. And still, it's not for everybody. I'm a big believer in the hybrid model because some people do not like or cannot work from home. Some people need it. Some people absolutely, as we discovered, as I discovered in COVID. Uh, with a few of my employees, they absolutely need to be out of their home in order to work. They need the discipline of an outside scenario. So right now we're a hybrid work model. We have dis distributed and now we have a small office hidden away, no signage. I've always wanted a huge sign. I've always wanted this giant Tremaine Media sign. I think I'm over that now. We, we do have an office. I have no signs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is kind of funny because as you were talking, I was thinking the same thing that uh, you're ahead of your time, talking about pivoting in situations, talking about what we now call remote working. And um, so you must have had, or how did the pandemic affect your business? Do you feel like you were already kind of set up to keep going the way you were going? Yeah, yeah, we were generally set up to keep going the way we were going. We did have, like I said, that hybrid model. So we had two people working out of the office and we moved them to their homes immediately. I think that was the 13th of March, mm -hmm. 2021. Yes. Is that when it started? Yes. 2019. Yeah. yeah. 2019. Um, so we moved them out of the house or out of the office. And that's when we discovered not everybody, like over COVID, that's when we discovered not everybody thrives doing remote work. So after COVID, we made sure to reestablish our office. We only have two people working there out of nine, but for those two people, it's really important. So now we're hybrid. So, you know, we're, we're the pandemic is still happening, but we're moving into kind of a new, maybe an endemic stage where people are just learning to live with COVID. Um, and we know from speaking to businesses that businesses are still feeling a lot of challenges. What would you say is some of the biggest challenges your business is facing today? Actually, we're in a really lucky or favorable position because our challenge is growth. Our challenge is suddenly people have a more latitude to be able to create like 60, 67 to like 75% of what we do, depending on the time frame, is video. So we do primarily video, which is a face-to-face -face thing. During the pandemic, we bought specialized equipment. So we bought specialized mics and, and lenses. So we didn't have to be close to anybody in order to film. And we did a lot of filming outside. But now that we're in an endemic stage and, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that that's where we stay. Um, there's a lot of people that are like feeling a different kind of freedom. And they have budgets that have been pent up. And they have things that they want to accomplish and do. And that often comes at the cost of letting either your community know what you're up to and what you're doing, or if you're creating something new, 
making sure people know about what you're doing. And that involves media. So we're at a growth stage. And that's my particular challenge, not necessarily my staff's challenge. Because at the size we were before COVID, things could still run as they have evolved organically over the first 16 years or however many years before COVID. But now we need to have everything unlock, our systems, our processes, all of these things that we could do mentally on our own because we've been doing it for so long, we couldn't take for granted anymore, especially because of COVID. And maybe this is the challenge. Because of COVID, I lost some key, not lost to COVID, but lost to job change, which is really common right Right. now. I lost two key employees. And with them went a whole bunch of knowledge Mm -hmm because they were not required to write down what they do. And they were- Is that a learning experience? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We lost somebody in uh, administrative slash bookkeeping capacity. She was so good at what she did for so many years, I hardly had to do anything. And then when she left, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I teaching this new person? So basically I'm recreating the company on paper. Right which well, isn't paper, and it's it all is, digital. No, right. And and uh, that's uh, the right thing to do because we do know that on average, people are staying less than two years in a position and moving on to another one. So having that transfer of knowledge piece in place is really important because you're probably going to face it again. Well, absolutely. And we're, we're looking at likely opening another office on the East Coast of Canada. Interesting. So, yeah. So in order to do that, I want everything, all the systems and processes and policies and procedures and standard operating procedures for everything that we do exactly the same. And in order for that to be exactly the same and running smoothly so we can use the same kind of administration Mm. team and actually some of our editing team here and some of our media team here to do that, we need that, I don't want to say, uh, yeah, unlock. We, we, We need to have that really tight and accessible and straightforward. And so that's been my job. I I had the pleasure of being semi-retired for a number of years before COVID, which allowed me to do my sports obsessively, but that's no longer. I'm definitely back in and recreating this company digitally, but in language. But to your point, if you get to a point where you want to retire, this is part of succession planning as well. Having Absolutely. it all locked down will be easier to pass on to somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we forget that in business, right? No, I haven't forgotten it. Well, I was reminded of it. Right. right. I, I think COVID was a, a great awakener. I think COVID plus naturally aging, you know, when you're, I felt in my 20s, I had all the time in the world. I'm in my 50s now. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't have all the time in the world. And what am I doing to set myself up for the future? So it is really important for me to do this because I am thinking this needs to flow with very little involvement. And it's, it's, I'm finding it a lot of fun. Like uh, what I'm doing is creating a transparency in the business. So if anybody has to, we call it the hit by the bus scenario. If someone disappears suddenly, there is no uh, gap in client service because everything's transparent. So that means using digital tools in the right way consistently so that if somebody has to step out for whatever reason, everybody knows what's going on and any other project manager can pick up the slack. So that's been a lot of fun. I spent a lot of time focusing on, first of all, what are 
our digital tools and then how best to use those. And now it's constant iteration on improving those processes. It's slow. I thought, oh, this is going to take me six months. And we're a year and a half. Well, I'm still working on it. And that's good advice for any entrepreneur, right? That this has to be built into your business plan because it'll help you succeed when the unexpected happens. And the unexpected always does happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Life is, life is, can be chaotic as we're all, we all have experienced firsthand. Well, you talked about uh, tools, digital tools. Do you have any secret or underrated digital tools that you would recommend to entrepreneurs? Well, my mentor would not like me to say this because he doesn't like email. (laughs) But uh, one tool that I think will be useful is we've created an email address, which is just projects at TremaineMedia.com where every time someone sends an email, it's carbon copied to projects. We all have access to that same email address so we can go in. So let's say one of our project managers has a family emergency and she has to step out. We just pop into projects and we can see the last conversation she had with each one of her clients and we can pick up that conversation from there and continue the email thread. Nothing is lost. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, and on that note, since you had such a good idea for that question, what about uh, for productivity? Any productivity hacks that you use in your business? Maybe, but I want to go back to that one. Oh, okay. I'll go, go back ahead. to that. So the, so the email was is one. And then we were going to use sprints as a project management tool, but we're using a basic Kanban board, which is moving cards through different processes and stages of a project. So you can, there's a, there's a number of, there's a, there's a lot of different project management digital tools, mm-hmm. but underlying it is a basic Kanban board. So this is pending. This is ready to be deposited. This is in process. So we have like the nitty gritty in the email, which is a form of transparency. And then we have kind of a, at a glance transparency with our Kanban board. So we have these two pieces and this is for project managers and management our editors and videographers and designers, they use some of those tools, but it's primarily for our management team to keep things because they're the bridge between the creatives and the client. And then I I, I did want to say too, is part of my impetus for starting this process was to create automations. So there's things that we do again and again and again, which can be digitally automated. So If you fill out this form, then it's going to create this Slack channel. It's going to create this card in our Kanban board. It's going to create a master client input into our database. And so my original inspiration was I need more automations. And I realized once I got into automations, if if we're not systemized consistently across everything we do, if we're not all doing the same thing in the same way, there is no automations and we can't become efficient. So it does, it does go to your other question that I am working on efficiencies and that's through making sure everybody's doing certain things, even uploading to Vimeo and the file naming convention we use there. If someone can't find a client video because somebody named it something different than what they thought the name of that client was when it was uploaded, if we're not using a master client name, some people might be calling it the city of CR or city of Campbell River or Rose or economic development or EDO. So if we don't have consistency starting at the very base level, um, we're not going to be able to create efficiencies higher up. So that's part of our efficiencies is 
creating these systems and processes. Super good advice. Thanks for coming because I'm learning a lot. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, this is uh, a podcast about entrepreneurship and business development. And as you know, because you've been involved in even with economic development and creative industries councils over the years, uh, communities are looking at ways of diversifying their economy. And here in Campbell River, one of the areas that we're really exploring is uh, growing a tech ecosystem and, and supporting innovation in the community. You've got some history in both those areas. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes, I have history. <laughs> um, when I first came into the workforce, I mean, I was, I, I was, I started as a laborer. I painted houses for a decade. I planted trees. Uh, I did this in between um, traveling and, and getting my degree. When I started that office job, I was encouraged to sit on a board. So I sat on the uh, CRCN, which is the Campbell River Community Network. And CRCN was very much linked into CRTV, which was one of two cooperative television stations in Campbell River. So we had the great, I mean, that's where I learned to edit, was at the co-op TV station. It was an amazing place. But the Campbell River Community Network was about the internet back when the internet wasn't a big deal. Cool. And so that was the board that I sat on. And one thing that the Campbell River Community Network did was partnered with our TV station because they had a cable network. And at that time, Cisco Systems, which had another name, uh, which I don't remember, needed to test out some of their cable modems. So we became a testing ground for cable internet. And we were one, if not the first, community to have cable internet in their community. And we had a premieres conference out at Painter's Lodge at the time. And we had samples of the cable network up and they were just blown away at the speed. And that was also uh, linked into the school district. They were on that cable internet and we were able to, and at this time, again, this was a big deal, to log in, because there was no cloud then. Right. So we were, but through a virtual network, people were able to log into the school system through a virtual network and be able to use tools. So to be able to use software on someone else's computer, this is absolutely common now. This is the cloud. This is how we use most of our tools that are online. But at that time, this was groundbreaking and just blew the socks off everybody. And so that's the history. And then part of Campbell River's history, another part of Campbell River's history, and this is before my time, we were one of the first school districts to have a networked television system within a high school and to be able to broadcast within that high school. So that was back in the 70s. So Campbell River has this- Innovation in our blood. The yeah, spirit of innovation. It, it's, it's part of our history. Yeah. It's really amazing. And I don't know if it's a place, I mean, to have a co-op TV station, to have the first cable internet in Canada, to have this virtual network with the school district at a time when nobody even knew what that was. And then we went, went on to be one of the first communities on Vancouver Island with municipal broadband networks, your advantage. And I know you were a huge advocate of that before it actually came to fruition. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that's right. So I was a member of the Creative Industries Council, uh, a board member, and my mentor used to live in town 
And at that time, he owned some buildings downtown and was ready to build his next big thing. He had already built his previous big things and was done that. And once he went to talk to TELUS and to Rogers and to the different cable providers, how much is it going to cost me for broadband internet? And broadband meaning we have the same amount of upload speed as we do download speed. Download speed's pretty easy to get, and that's really tailored to the consumer, but we needed more upload. And for my business, uh, for, the, for the sound technician who's gonna be editing this, upload speed's really critical. And the cost was incredible. And he's like, I can't do this here. I'm not paying you know, tens of thousands of dollars so I can get a fast upload speed. So he took that to the Creative Industries Council and Andy Adams, I don't know if he was a council member or mayor at the time, but uh, myself, my mentor, Andy Adams, uh, Joe Miller, who was the president of the Creative Industries Council at the time, took that to the ministry to see what they could do. And after that, I didn't hear much about it, which made me hope and pray that somebody had taken on the initiative. And sure enough, the city had. And now the city has municipal broadband. So it's super exciting. So you are the chair of Creative Industries Council today. Tell us what uh, that council is up to. Well, currently we are looking at some type of digital installation that we could do. And we're thinking downtown for downtown revitalization. So what can we do digitally that would be really interesting that would bring people downtown? Mm -hmm. We don't know if that's a digital story walk. We don't know if that's a digital art exhibit. We don't know if that's a 3D interactive experience that people can have through their phones. Uh, we're not sure what that is yet, but that's the that's the path we're traveling. And the reason we're traveling this path and the reason we have the luxury to do something fun is because the Creative Industries Council started because, I don't want to call anyone out, but because economic development at that time, which I think we're in the early 2000s, it's pre-2010, did not see digital industries and creative industries as being important. Joan Miller, who was our film commissioner at the time, saw it as being critical. And she saw it as the main way to get people, the young people, including her kids, who have left Campbell River to come back to Campbell River. So there's a real big push by the Creative Industries Council to get that tech ecosystem going. But once you arrived, and also a little bit before your time, the city took that on. So that didn't have to be something we carried anymore. That's something now the city is doing. So we're thrilled that that's happening. And that allows us to do something fun and innovative. And we really want to push the innovation side. Well, we know innovation and technology encompasses every business today. And so, yeah, we look for ways to support that in happening. Okay, you have a long career as an entrepreneur. What's the best piece of advice you can give uh, a new person starting out in business? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I'm thinking back to my young entrepreneur days. And as a woman in business, I was asked the same question, and it, it's in a book of women in business in British Columbia. I think it's called New Pioneers. And I think it was, don't let no be the thing that stops you. But that seems kind of trite. <laughs> I think it's... How about it's hard work to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> well, no, because... I'm like, I did spend six years before this time semi-retired and, and I'm making wages. I was making good wages. My employees are making good wages and they were at the time and I got to be semi-retired. So I would be at the gym and, 
And people are like, oh, I got to go back to work. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go do whatever, but I'm still getting paid. So it's worth the payoff. If you can stick with it, it's worth the payoff. I think that's the advice I'd have. I forget and I had forgotten the grind because I was visiting with a, a friend in Kelowna and he said, he, he heard, you know, he saw how relaxed I was and he heard how good the business was doing. And he's like, I'm so glad to hear that. You used to work so hard. I'd see you come into the gym and you'd be so stressed and it really was taking a toll on you. And I'm like, was I? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you totally were. I'm like, thank you for reminding me about that because I forget I'm so, you know, it's probably eight years out from the grind. And even the stuff I'm doing now isn't a grind. So it's to, to stick with it because that grind, if you're doing it right, doesn't last forever. And my biggest piece of advice, and it's something that I love to do, so it's not hard for me, but it's very hard for some entrepreneurs to give up control. Mm -hmm. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing your own bookkeeping, you're not doing it right, unless you're a bookkeeper. <laughs> but if you're running a small business and you're at home doing your bookkeeping, unless you're amazing with numbers and you love it, then you know more power to you. But my advice to any entrepreneurs, delegate, 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 delegate. As soon as you learn how to do something well enough that you can create a little system around that, or you understand what needs to be done, then you delegate that out. So when I started, I was doing all my own editing. So video editing, which is very time consuming. I was doing graphic design. Uh, I had a bookkeeper. I've always had a bookkeeper, a camera person. I did a little bit of camera, but editing, was my wheelhouse as well as running the business. But once I started delegating out that editing, things got better and better. And then I was a project manager and I was executive producer and I was on the ground and I was going on all the shoots. Once I had that on lock and I found someone I trusted, then I stopped being an executive producer. I stopped going out on shoots and I gave it to somebody who was you know, 20 years younger than I am and super stoked to be out on a boat out in Quatsino Sound. I don't need to go out on a boat in Quatsino Sound. I'm happy doing what I do. Um, and I'm very happy to give that up to someone else. So now I'm in the systems level. I'm doing still a lot of admin as we get that process down, but that's almost ready to be delegated out. I have an administrator but it's a systems level of admin, which I'm ready to give up. And then I'm still at this HR level. Maybe someday I'll have an HR person and I can give that up. So my suggestion to any new entrepreneur is each time you figure something out and it's taking up enough time, you can hire somebody, hire somebody. You're not going to grow unless you delegate. If you want to create a business where you're in charge of everything and that level of control is really comforting for you and you love it so much, it's great. But if you wanna create a business that grows, you have to learn to delegate. My first big milestone in my mind was I walked into a restaurant and there was a client in that restaurant and I was with my mentor and I said, that client doesn't know who I am. And he's like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, this is the first time that's ever happened. That client doesn't know who I am. And he's like, your next big milestone is gonna be when your employee doesn't know who you are. You, you have an employee that doesn't know who you are. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Great advice. And I like your line where you're not going to grow if you don't give up some of that control and delegate. Okay, we're at the rapid fire question part okay. of our podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for rapid fire. 
So Leah, what was your first job? My first job was delivering newspapers. My second job was working in Dairy Queen. If you're not doing your current job, what would you be doing? I would hopefully be traveling and doing things that involves a lot of variety. What is your connection to Campbell River? My children were born and raised in Campbell River. I have a son that is now leaving Campbell River to go to school on the East Coast, and he's leaving today. So I'm so happy I can be happy during this podcast because that's a big deal. But my kids were born and raised here, and yeah, I, I just feel so rooted in Campbell River now. That is a big deal. Finish this sentence. A modern entrepreneur is... Very conversant with digital tools. What is something no entrepreneur should be without? A phone. <laughs> like, there you go. <laughs> like, a, like a, yeah, not a flip phone. <laughs> not a flip phone. And on that note, thank you, Leah, for joining us today. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Modern Entrepreneur podcast series. For more information and to hear more, visit campbellriver.ca.